This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 294, recorded on January 26th, 2017. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their news reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios, not in Bellevue, Washington, but Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, that'll become important here in a little bit. We post a show each week with world-class show notes out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to download the app, we have a special app for it. If you want to follow Home Gadget Geeks uh, in the app, if you're ever traveling, it's really the best way to catch the live show or stream it directly to your phone. It's a great way to do it. Head over to homegadgetgeeks.com. I got two big buttons there. You can just download an Android or iPhone. Great way to get the podcast each week. That's right. Just big button, Dwayne. Just push the push the button. Uh, best way to get that again each week. It's uh, absolutely free. If you haven't downloaded it yet, we want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that app. And if you want to financially support the podcast in any way, I've got uh, one in $5 plans out there on Patreon. And if you're just you just got to do it. Head over there. TheAverageGuy.tv, look on the right-hand side. There's a Patreon link right there. You can sign up and do that as well. All right, we'll get right to it tonight. Busy night, busy weekend. Dwayne Robinson's back uh, with us, back from, man, you've had, dude, you've had a seriously busy year. And uh, a lot you yeah. haven't been able to talk about, and now you can. So really exciting. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Yes, it's actually been hard for me to even talk to you because all the stuff I've been working on, it killed. I think we were having a discussion. It just kills me that I can't talk to my techie friends about what I'm working on. So, but CES has happened. So now I can talk a little bit. CES, we'll get to that here in just a second. Hang tight. Uh, We'll hang tight with the folks. What, um, where are you? That's uh, probably the most important thing. You're not in your lair with your fancy events and every phone available to man and, you know, 50 computers. Where are you? Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, the uh, funny thing is I don't know the last time I've actually been in my lair. Now, so I'm sitting in, uh, sitting in the Microsoft offices out in uh, Redmond. So I'm in Redmond, Washington. Um, who knows? At some point, maybe in one of these in the conference room, we can show our toy, but it's still installing updates. But, uh, you know, for the most part, yeah, I'm on the campus in Redmond and hanging out in the in the building where like our IoT hub and uh, that group, I think Scott Guthrie's office is like right up right up from here. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a cool place to be. Uh, one of the nicer buildings. Yeah, well, there's, they're all nice. Let's, let's not lie. I don't know if I've been in a bad building. Uh, this is the one with that new neighborhood concept where what you do, they put everybody in the neighborhood and they have their own little special conference rooms that nobody else can schedule and little like private little office speaker rooms and stuff. And I'm actually in one of the conference rooms and it has this cool table that's high top and it's a triangle in shape. It's really kind of a does it, cool does thing. Does it move? Can you pull it apart? Does it got the... That all could, that's a lot, a lot of the new furniture that's coming now has got this very mobile, you know, move people around, reconfigure rooms quickly, that kind of stuff. No, but it's got crazy looking circle lights oh. and stuff. And, uh, and of course, like I said, if, if, if it finishes installing updates while we're on here, we'll, we'll show off the uh, Surface Hub. But uh, it does have, 
it's a really cool room. It's more industrial design, I guess you could say. Yeah. But it's show, uh, show the hub real fast. I know it's updating, but just just flip over to it. Let's let's see. It it doesn't. It's it looks way bigger than it's great. That's all right, a, so it's a big so, old hub. So do I do I do the Coke can demo? Yeah, to yeah, give yeah you, for sure. To give you an idea, so this is the eighty-five inch. So I'm gonna take my headset off for one yeah. second. Yeah, yeah. So it it's weird because it doesn't look that big, and then when he walks over to it and uh, puts the Coke can <laughs> against it. That is a pretty big surface hub. And uh, he was showing me some stuff with it before. And we were writing on it. And then, of course, uh, he was going to reboot it. And it went right into update mode. Yeah, it's installing updates. It's after hours here. So yeah. the, uh, they they push updates to them after after the day is over. Yeah, so. no, all's good. Well, hey, let's get let's get right to it. Why can't uh, what what couldn't you talk about, Dwayne, for the longest time to us that just released during CES as well? There's some big pre uh, some big press releases uh, about stuff in cars. Talk to us a little bit about that. So I guess there's a lot of different things that I've been engaged in, and so the a lot of um, if you go and you watch, if you go through CES, and I, I gave you some show note links to videos so people can see this. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw me post some stuff or Facebook and st things of that nature um, around CES, uh, saying how happy I was to be able to actually talk about it. It's, it's crazy. So to give you concept, I'm, I just got back from a meeting with Volvo not too long ago, and that was our one year, um, one year time frame. So that will give you an idea of how far back. So it's been now over a year that I've been working on pulling things together, and some of the stuff we announced at um, at CES uh, was things that I was directly doing, and I mean even having to take these these physical cars and and drive them up and pull them in conference centers and, and things. And one of the things that we announced is uh, Skype for Business, for example, inside of a uh, Volvo vehicle. And a lot of that, uh, you know, if you go all the way back to build uh, timeframe, there was something called UCWA uh, 3.0 uh, that came out, which is the Unified Communications Web API, which made it so that you can start building applications and things. So, what we're what we did is we we said, well, you know, what's the pain in the butt in a car? And we said, you know, hey, it'd be great to make it where you could just push a button and join a, a Skype call without having to pull dig your phone out and and all that type of stuff. So, what we ended up doing is actually building directly into a head unit of a car the ability to connect to Skype as, as a or Skype for business as a user, be able to see like all of your conference room, uh, your conferences and everything. And instead of you having to use your phone, and, and by the way, it doesn't, when we say that it does, that a lot of people always think that we're doing a smartphone. It's actually using the cellular antenna of the car to go out, authenticate you, and you push the button. And instead of you having to punch in all these phone number or like pin codes and stuff like that, or get your phone out and have to you know, fiddle around with it. It it actually makes the call out, authenticates you to the conference call, and has Skype call you back on the phone number that you pre-programmed. So you could have a dumb phone, and as long as it's Bluetooth paired to the car, it'll call you back. And the and the beauty of it was that thing works completely independent of the phone. So 
and then on top of that, whenever you got where you were going, you could just turn the car off and it, the phone call was terminated on, a, on the cell phone. So the part that was really innovative about this is we actually used a phone as a phone in a car and took the smart app and put the smart app in the infotainment system. And so it's actually a second screen experience. And you can even end the call. We even made it where you could, in some cases, for we we demonstrated like things like adding people to conference calls and stuff like that. But you know, there's now there's the taking it to market and, and Volvo said they're gonna bring it to market. So this is one of those things that's kind of sitting in a conference room one day saying, wouldn't it be great if? And then the next thing we know, here it is at CES being demonstrated to media and press and things of that nature. So so it was kind of a cool thing. So I guess we can stop at that one for a bit and we can talk a little bit about that because as we start talking about like productivity in the car, um, I did get some interesting feedback on this and I, I'll talk more about that. But so, so Jim, yeah. I'll, I'll let you kind of ask me some questions about that one cause well, before we get into other maybe yeah. even cooler car stuff. Yeah, you mentioned the callback feature, and actually that's, uh, we use Skype for Business at Gallup, and we've been recommending for a lot of folks calling in to use, if they're if they're going to call in uh, on, on our Skype conference, to have that call them back, um, rather than trying to dial in or create the connection or whatever. Um, it's better if you, you have the call actually call you on your phone. And so interesting that you say that because that's that callback feature, right? Built into to Skype for business to be able yeah. to, to make that connection and have Skype kind of take over that call. Yeah. And some people are like, well, why is that important? Right. And if you think about it, if you're in a corporate call, um, it's one of the things that you have is if you took your phone and you punched in the pin code and you went in, you show up in the conference call as a phone number. And when you're talking on a, on a conference call and you need to know who's on it, you have to go, well, did Jim join? Or who's that calling in on this number? And things like that. In this case, it doesn't do that. You're actually getting a phone call and it is going over the phone PSTN type of thing, but you're authenticated to the conference call so everyone knows that that's you. And it's it, it's all kind of working together. So So the beauty of that, if you really think about it, is a lot more effective than what you would normally do. And most mobile pe people who have Skype for Business on a phone, most people don't wanna use their data plan for the phone call. So what they end up doing is configuring the app to do this where it calls them back. So what we did is we just made that work better in a car. And it's as simple as, uh, it, we didn't add all the Skype craziness. You're not watching the PowerPoint on the screen. Um, but I'll talk about that for a sec in a second. But as you go into, um, if you're driving along, it's simply you click the button to launch the, to open the Skype app. You see the meeting list of meetings that are are available that you have coming up, and you just hit a button that says join. I mean, and when you hit that button, it calls you back. You don't have to. I mean, even if you say, "Well, I can do that with my cell phone. And I got a car mount." Well, you got to think about it. You got to unlock the phone. You got to go do go fire, find the Skype app through all your little app list launch the Skype app, go in, look for the meeting in your meeting list after you go to it, then hit join and, and then wait for it to call you back. And you're trying to do all that when you're driving. So a lot of people said, oh, well, it's distracting. It looks like it's distracting. Well, it's better than what you have today. So we're improving that. And then I heard all these uh, feedback about 
well, that's, you know, I don't really understand. Well, if you don't know, a Volvo today at 75 miles an hour has an autonomous mode like Tesla does. And so some of the things you start thinking about is if the car is in autonomous mode, and we know the car is in autonomous mode, we have access and we're running an app in there, what keeps us long-term, I mean, these are just vision things. These aren't things that we're actively doing right now or anything, but it's more kind of thinking about possibility, right? You start thinking, okay, now when cars start going more autonomous, you start bringing productivity in, you're taking a conference call, maybe you can see the PowerPoint when the car isn't autonomous. And so I think those type of things as we're starting to move forward are, are really insightful and, and and I'll even say that uh, the next thing, and this, I, I'll tell you, this absolutely just killed me because the way that these things get, got announced is that piece got announced first and it got announced pre-CES uh, for numerous reasons, right? I, I don't handle the marketing release schedule. I just talk to the guys about what we're doing, make sure it's successful. That Everybody goes, well, why can't you talk to it? You know, why can't you do that via voice? And I'm sitting here go just like my tongue is on my chair and I'm just sitting on it, right? I can't do this. And you, and I, I told I told you I've had so much fun over this past year experiencing something I've never experienced before, which is knowing what's coming, but not being able to talk about it and having to sit, you bite your tongue about the comments that are coming in. And so everybody kept talking about that. And then the second video that you saw, which came out at CES, was when they showed how Cortana starts working in a car. And one of the examples there is, hey, you have a meeting coming up you know, with so-and-so. Would you like me to join you to that meeting? Sure, Cortana, just do that. <laughs> you know. And so you kind of have to have the termination point right, of Skype, know how to do Skype in the car to be able to enable that. And, uh, you know, so those type of things were pretty funny, uh, just like uh, the Cortana SDK that for devices that was announced um, with the connected speaker and devices and everything. Um, I've been heavily involved with uh, understanding how we're going to take that and, and build some solutions because that's kind of the basic of kind of a car as a device. Um, so we're starting to look at that um, so, so then you, like you said, so now there you get into, okay, well, I've been in, I've also known, I've been working on Cortana for devices and cars and, and so forth. And so you start seeing that information come in through CES. Um, and there's a couple of cool videos. I, I would encourage people, if you haven't seen these videos, they're really, really cool. Um, because what we announced is we, we announced with Volvo, um, they, they produced a, the video for um, for Cortana. And then there's another video that uh, where Renault Nissan came on stage and announced some things. And the Renault Nissan, when they they had a produced video to show you, and, and, and I would tell you, keep in mind that these are the vision videos of kind of what they're thinking about. And so part of my job is to try to figure out how to make that happen, right? And, and it's not that uh, it is that, completely unviable no we wouldn't allow it but it's more this is the direction we're seeing things go and as you look at the world of iot 
Do you remember uh, when you thought that, it, it, Jim, you're old like me, right? <laughs> well, thanks, Dwayne. <laughs> so, uh, hey, at least I group, group myself in that. We are, we are old, yes. So when, in the world of technology, you and I are dinosaurs. So if you thought, if you think back, right, are you, if you said, hey, Jim, go check your email around 1990-ish, you would go to a desktop maybe. Then you started going to a laptop and you kind of said, okay, that, but it was all still computer, right? And then and then you started seeing things where, okay, maybe we would connect a, a mobile device, like a PDA, I'll give you an example, a PDA that then connected and synced up and then you, and all that type of thing, right? And then we started seeing a phone and then a phone became, um, uh, <laughs> a phone became very, uh, very much kind of a thing you plugged into your PC. And now you kind of think of a phone as why would I, I would check my email on the phone and the phone doesn't need to be connected to a PC because the phone has become fast enough and smart enough and connected enough to not necessarily need a PC. So you start thinking about where are you today? I mean, let's just think about this. If you want to listen to music in your car, you use a virtual cable called Bluetooth to plug it in to your car to be able to listen to music for some people, right? For, for most people, they think about it like that, like for Bluetooth audio or for, for my ability to join a conference call. So it's these, these type of things, right? And so now what you're starting to see and I think the Raspberry Pi and Raspberry Pi 3 started kind of making it. it and, and by the way, did you notice, does it make sense now why Dwayne had a Raspberry Pi bar <laughs> at Meetup? Yeah. Why in the world did he have all the Raspberry oh, anyway, So, <laughs> So you start looking at it and you go, wait a minute. It's starting to get cheap enough for processing that devices themselves are getting smart enough that they don't need the phone to drive it. What they need is to be connected to the cloud to be powered in a way that they can provide services like a phone. When you look at it like a Twitter, Twitter doesn't run on your phone. It's a web, it's a service that is consumed on your phone. So why couldn't Twitter as an app run on a head unit of a car. And a majority of this all comes down to, well, because it would be distracting. So, and then you start thinking about what the disruption in the market of Tesla and Uber and all of this stuff and really thinking about autonomous cars coming. And, and I think a lot of people think it's further away than I think it really is. But once the car becomes in that space, why would you not want to be entertained? And why do you, do you really want to be looking at this little bitty screen? Not really. You really, it's like saying, oh, I want to go sit in my living room and watch my phone when I have this nice infotainment system in front of me. No, you want to leverage the capability of the vehicle. So as automotives start designing vehicles around, uh, around this concept, you're going to see that it's going to be that the devices that you used to think were stupid, which you plugged your phone into to make them smart, maybe become the smart device. And weirdly enough, I feel like this whole IoT thing has become a uh, 
a plethora of experiences that have to start coming to life uh, and, and that this whole UI thing. So, you know, when everybody's talking about Windows and stuff like that for Microsoft, I feel like Microsoft, if you work here, you start seeing the experience that um, we're kind of thinking, yeah, that's that's cool and that's great. And we absolutely are going that way and innovating in that direction. But we're also looking at how are all these devices going to be powered? And when I say that, people think operating systems. Every time I talk to people about, about cars, they talk about sync. And that's an operating system, right? That's really not that interesting. So what at CES was really announced is the Microsoft Connected Vehicle Platform, which is what I'm kind of leading up from a field perspective right now. And when you look at that, you have a situation where you have to think about how do we start building a platform that allows companies to start consuming things. And, and it's really a, a, a completely different concept. So if like uh, someone here says, I, you know, the problem is it's inconsistent. It is inconsistent in IoT, but a manufacturer of a vehicle is looking to make it more consistent and they want to get standardization and they want a platform and they need global scale. Part of the problem is you can't scale. Um, you know, are they, they're in the business of making cars, not making data centers that, in, in, you know, infotainment systems and apps and services. And that's something we do, right? And, and you think about Cortana's and AI and, and you start thinking about all this and it's really kind of a cool change of concept because what you see is that the operating system is not the thing that's in the car and the inconsistency is the, is actually just honestly becoming actually more and more consistent because you're seeing things like Linux and Android and so forth taking place. But those are just free operating systems that are just endpoints. The trick is bringing an experience that if I'm gonna to talk to Cortana via voice, then it should be consistent. If I'm talking to Cortana and I have a UI, if you look at Cortana on your, on your desktop and you look at it on a phone app, the UI is basically the same thing. So why does it matter if it pops up on a car screen? If it talks to you, how would it talk to you in a car versus how would it talk to you on a connected speaker? Why is that really different, right? And there are some some differences. I don't want to say that there isn't, but but I think those are kind of the cool things I've been working on. So I I, I kind of made you go all um, you know thinking big for a minute, but you know this is the kind of thing that um, I've been working on. It is really thinking of rethinking what it means to have a connected vehicle and if a vehicle could send information back and forth and how do autonomous vehicles need to communicate and how do we enable that well you got to have some sort of cloud service that makes all this stuff happen and that that's where microsoft invested and, and oddly enough you know we're not building a car we're building the thing that powers cars and i from an ip standpoint and i actually like that i think it's kind of showing that Microsoft's not doing what everybody else is doing, which is is interesting to me. Um, and, and I also like the concept of what we're doing with Cortana. So we can talk more about that, but I'll pause here for a minute because I've talked a lot no, here no, it's good. Uh, about it. But I think when you look at it, it's a, it's a new, interesting space, having fun, extremely busy.
Yeah, yeah, you, you alluded to it, but what's your official role in all this with Microsoft? How do you, how do you fit in? What, how do you see yourself in this? Who are you working with, and 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 who's working with you? So the way that Microsoft, uh, so I work in consulting services, right? So I'm in the Microsoft consulting services world, and when you look at having to implement something for a car, I mean, you've got to make it work in the type of car you have. So there's a lot of implementation that can happen. So from my perspective, um, since over the last year, because of all the stuff I've been doing, I've been given a good opportunity to take on um, a role where I work in what we call cross-domain solutions uh, architecture, which is think of it like uh, we got people who write apps, we got people who do data, we got all these different things. But all of, all of these have, things have to, these technologies and pieces of technology come together to solve a problem. So I work in that group that defines the problem and works with the different detailed groups that what are they going to do? And, and so it's called cross-domain solution architecture. And I am the lead for MCS for connected car. So any connected car solution that's going on, um, I'm sort of working with them on how would it come to market. Um, not building the connected car platform as much as helping with implementation uh, for it. And so it's it's been an interesting thing, a lot of talking with different car manufacturers and stuff and having to learn about TCUs and ECUs and um, head units and how they work and who they're actually manufactured by. It's, it's, it's an Im immense learning curve. Um, and I, I can't even tell you how complex things are, but you know, I, I had to learn like this thing called, you ever, you know, everybody's like those OBD2 sensors. Mm -hmm. I, do you know what I'm talking about? The, mm -hmm. the little port they plug into to check your car. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's like something. And then it talks into this. Uh, people talk about like CAN bus, you start seeing all that stuff, which is the car area network. If you think about it, um, the way that the car talks to all the different sensors. And so all of this stuff is you have to pick up and it, I, I would tell you it's been one of the most challenging years um, that I've been, but it's not, it's not a, um, it, it, it's, it's just something that it, it, if you know me, you know that my passion outside of computers is automobiles. I probably own like 40 of them, you know, so, um, and, you know, probably, I think this past year I bought two, right? So I changed cars like I cha most people change underwear. Matter of fact, I think, Jim, when I came up, I just bought my Jaguar. And I, that. I was like, and, another car, Dwayne? Seriously? Yeah. So if you know much about me, having the opportunity to work in a place where I work at Microsoft with innovative stuff, right, and technology, and I get to combine that passion with vehicles, <laughs> with cars. Uh, my dad told me uh, when I told him about this and what I was working on and everything, he, he goes, they really couldn't have picked anything that was more like down your alley uh, than this. And I was like, you know, I, I just am thankful for the opportunity that I get to do work on stuff like this. It's, you know, I, I wake up some days and I'm shocked about it. And then I look at my schedule and my conference calls that I've got and all the, all the fun that goes along with yeah. it. And it's, it is challenging, but man, let me tell you, it's, it's really cool stuff. 
It's really, really cool. Dwayne, you talk a little bit about the architecture. Let's dig in a little bit on that as we think about what sits in the car and I, maybe a little hardware in there, if you if you can disclose any of that. Mm-hmm. What you, we mentioned, you know, you make Bluetooth connection to the phone and then the phone kind of becomes the conduit from which it connects to the cloud. How much of that's getting pushed to the cloud? What kind of what kind of things are cloud services doing for us? You you know, Skype is certainly the entry point into this, right? When we think about being able to do and actually have a conference call work. Uh, we've been customers of Skype for Business for the last two years. And, you know, we were Link customers before that and made that change over. And we're watching Skype for Business getting slowly get better when it, when it comes to being able to handle the complexity of uh, voice over IP and everything that comes with it, conference rooms and locations and video and, you know, all, all the stuff that comes with it. But when we think about those architectures, what what do you push into the cloud? What's the cloud handling? How's that working? Yeah, so it's a little different depending on the car manufacturer, but I can kind of sum it up in a yeah, in a general sense. So think of it like, you know, there's there's a head unit, right? That that runs in a car, and that thing talks back and forth. And 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 then that that network I was talking about. Think of it like a car is a bunch of sensors, right? Like a door sensor, a gas sensor, an odometer. You know, everything is hundreds and hundreds of sensors and and those sensors are made by all kinds of different companies right i mean like um <laughs> so uh so when you quit reading the chat room yeah man. i know <laughs> it's, i know people make me laugh no hold on so, there's, a great, there's a great comment because uh duane had said just for those who are listening to the audio and can't join us live this is why you want to be here live duane said i hope you guys like the topic rennie says all good Brian says, I make lead. Everything else is more exciting. That's pretty funny. So that is anyways, pretty funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. It made me chuckle. Love, love <laughs> so, so when you think about it, like I said, so the, this network that can network, right, is all these sensors are talking to this thing, right? And, they, and that thing can have the same sort of concept of subnets and isolated networks, all that type of stuff in the car. So everything from a gas pedal is no longer really actually wired to the throttle. And so all of that is inside this complex network inside of a vehicle. And if you ever see, I don't know if you've ever seen this, where they will pull out like the wiring harness of a car. And you look at this and you need to think of that as a network. That's like a hub and switches and stuff. So you don't really think of it like that. And what I found is like these car companies, they'll even have like, this ability to plug into that network and put a little Linux box in the back and like be able to capture all this data and everything. But the amount of data that a car generates is insane. So you can't send it all everywhere. So you have to start getting selective. So that's where you find, um, and like ECU is like the computer that handles, you know, uh, the engine and stuff like that. It's the in- engine command unit. And then you have TCU, which is this uh, transmission control unit. And that's actually where like the modem that connects the car, that's the internet connection. And it also, well, actually, I'm sorry. It's the telematics control unit uh, or transmission control unit. Depends on who you talk to. Yeah. But what it what it does, what this thing does, imagine it's got like a modem in it, which is an internet connection. And that thing connects out, but it also collects the information off of that network that it needs for like telematics. So you know, how fast are you driving, all that type of stuff, right? Depending on what you want. And the car companies can say, 
this information is important enough that we will collect it when you turn it on, turn it off every five minutes or when this event happens and this, you know, and all that. And so that's what that thing does. And then you even have a head unit that usually somehow talks to that cellular modem like a pass through, like a gateway. So you can almost think of it, it also acts as a gateway. And when it does this, you we start going, okay, well now what kind of data do you want to grab? And then also how do you how do you talk back to this thing? So there's sending the data up out of the car from all the sensors. And then there's also starting to be where you can send data back down. And so you think about things like, okay, well, what does that start enabling? Well, the faster that wireless connections have gotten, the cheaper wireless connections have gotten, you can send more data up, but you can also send more data down. So, okay, maybe an app store. I want to push an app. Maybe I want to push an update to a car. So then you think, okay, well, why is that important? Okay, people who have Teslas, you hear them all the time, that they just pushed a button and they sent to the Tesla the ability to have an autonomous mode or ludicrous mode added to the car. Well, that's what they're doing. They're using these, this TCU in the connection to push the update back down. And that's a huge disruptor in a market that has, you think about it, Jim, when was the last time you had a car that you didn't take to the dealership to get a firmware update in order to get software fixed, right? So now you look at it and you go, oh, oh my God, we've got, the industry's going, oh my God, we have got to get remote update. We've got to be able to push data. And we've also got to be able to pull data back up from this thing. And then, wait a minute, what are all the different services that we could start enabling with that, right? And if a car is now connected to the internet and we have this, could we make the car smarter by powering it by the cloud? Why is the smartphone smart? A smartphone's smart, not because of the phone. It's because of this cloud that powers the services that the phone gets. And so you kind of look at that and you start going, wow, you know, we're at a point in the, in the automotive space because Uber's like, oh, well, I can just order a car. Well, if a car can drive to you, then why do you need to buy a car if you can just have it show up for you then you, you get into things where okay well that's cool but what what about shouldn't we be able to update the car remotely and push other things to it or make it smarter and make it where it knows that it's Jim that's in the car and so when it shows up Jim's radio settings are set for Jim and every time he gets in a different car it's always set the way Jim wants it set and so you start getting into these type of concepts and and then you start th think about this the sensor when you look at it everybody likes ways right ways sounds kind of cool you know you look at it and it's it's neat and, it, and all but why did why can't the car provide that information back to let you know where traffic is getting slower and not slower because there's a whole lot more cars running around than people running ways so you start looking at this and there's actually value. You start monetizing this stuff, right? So you start looking at it and you go, well, this is really cool, innovative stuff. And, and you're seeing the whole automotive industry realize this at one time. And they're going, well, we've got to have a platform. We've got to have some way to power it. And, and that's where they're going, okay, we can go build it or we can go get it. And this is where I think we're playing that role. 
um, a lot because we do power a lot of those mobile apps that everybody runs around and people are like, oh, Apple's great and their phone's wonderful. But, you know, I would say, you know, we don't, you know, I can't tell you the numbers or anything, but just think about how many of those apps are probably built on a Microsoft cloud or an Amazon cloud or something of that nature is where they actually run versus how much of it actually runs on the phone. And so you start going, okay, well, now you're starting to see the real new Microsoft, right? It's, it's where is the power? The power is in the cloud. And we have, in my opinion, one of the best ones on the market. We definitely have a lot more uh, global components um, in that space. And so that's where you, but for you to be able to bring a car to market, they're mobile. You've got to have a lot of market coverage and things like that. And I, if you were, say Renault Nissan or, or Volvo, are you really going to want to build and manage data centers throughout all the different regions of the world to be able to hand that? And so, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd take Windows 10 syncing too, but, uh, you know, it, that's a, that's a service that runs on a cloud. Um, so I can't say that all services quality are equivalent. Um, <laughs> so just, you, but hey, you know, it's not about necessarily the, um, the service being the quality, but just think about the fact for Windows 10 to sync settings, for example, as we you see in the chat room, you will you have to have the ability to um, to have a cloud-based service and a device that's connected to it to be able to allow settings to sync. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. So it, so it's kind of cool. Again, I mean, this is all real kind of theoretical stuff and and really out there thinking probably for a lot of people. But I would tell you, you'd be amazed at how, what the reality is of of how quick the the industry is having to move to be in front of this because you thought cell phones and the adoption of smartphones was really fast. I, I think IoT is going to be 10 times faster because we're, we already know how to solve the mobile connection. We already understand and we have these cloud services to start enabling it. And you're starting to see things like, um, like our connected vehicle platform is sort of built on top of uh, IoT hub, which, so you start looking at it and we're actually starting to, you're familiar with the PaaS services where platform as a service, mm -hmm. um, where you don't have to build a server and then manage operating system. You just get, you just consume the service and we just provide that. Well, think of it now that we're starting to build services on top of our own platform as a service and selling those things. So a connected car platform is built on top of PaaS services. So you, you think about it and you, and you go, wait a minute, Microsoft's building services on top of their own paths and it, it starts getting kind of interesting what else is going to come well that would make sense right i mean if you've got the if you've got these platforms as a service if you've got these uh services available in azure and they're available to you why would you not extend them and for you guys in with the car you know putting in a car why would you not put those services directly in the car quasi had a couple questions you know we had talked a little a little clarity around when we think about like the volvo or like the nissan um, Renault, Nissan, are yep. those using their own, do they have their own data connection and are, is that what they're using or are they buying, are, are we thinking about I have to buy a plan for my car as well or how's that, what, what are they thinking along those lines? So I can't get into the specifics of each, each of them or what they're yep. thinking. Um, what I can do is talk about the industry in general. So when you start looking at it, um, I get a lot of this question when we talk to people about like when I'm talking, not like in, in car industry people, because they already kind of 
understand this part by now. Um, but when you're talking to people outside of it, they're, they're like, oh my God, but you got a clear data plan for my car. Okay, so let's, let's kind of talk about industry-wise what, what's going on. So when you look at the data connection, yes, think of it like an LTE connection to a car or 3G connection. Thinking about the fact that how much data has to travel back and forth uh, to be able to enable stuff, it really depends on what you're enabling, right? So how fast it needs to be, how much data you need. Um, if you're a company the size of um, Renault-Nissan or, or Volvo, and you're buying these data connections, you're probably gonna have a strategic partnership with a supplier um, for internet connectivity and that what a data plan costs for them is much less than what it costs for you. Um, however, when you, how does that get paid for is an interesting thing. So if you start thinking about it, you get into things like, well, what, who would pay for that data? Uh, would they pay for that data? If they can sell you a traffic service that gives you real-time traffic information, they might be willing, or somebody wants to collect real-time traffic information. They don't want specifics about your car, but let's say that you've got a whole fleet of 4 million cars, right, that you produce every year. And you start saying, hey, I don't know, let's just a mapping provider, Google, TomTom, whatever, right? Hey, I've got, four million cars per year that'll be in market for 10 years and I'm gonna produce four million a year. And at this point, I can start giving you a data feed of the cars and the information on what is the speed of the traffic moving on, on roads that are being crowdsourced directly from the vehicle. I don't care about the stupid little app you put on your cell phone that you have to launch that gets that data sporadically. I can consistently give you the information of that. You think somebody would be willing to pay for that, Jim? Yeah, I do actually. So yeah. uh, so what about an insurance company? You think an insurance company would pay for usage information, maybe even help them be able to get more competitive with their rates? So when you start looking at that, there, that goes back to what I said before, data monetization. So a car company can actually start thinking about how they can sell information, but not not personal information. Let's be clear. That's number one priority for everyone whenever we're talking about this stuff is personal information is personal information. Say you elect in to be able to do this, you get the data connection, just like you get email from Google when you want Gmail. They're using that data for a use case. You elect to go subscribe to it, and in return, you get an email service. In this case, you might get a data connection and some additional capability in your vehicle if you turn this on. And you might get better insurance rates and you might get better traffic information. And so you're getting all these great things, but the thing is you're getting it because of the, but you're getting all that, but there is because you're allowing the car to provide the data into this and they will give you the privacy statements and let you see what you're sending and all that. Um, just like any other thing. So it's like kind of like Facebook. Well, you know, how does Facebook make money? You know, so you, you just start thinking of it from that perspective and it starts making sense. The data connection will justify the cost itself and, and more than likely you'll pay for a service that that comes across that data connection more so than the data connection itself over time. Yeah, we, we just bought a Subaru and it was that kind of deal, right? They want to 
they want to sell you those services associated with it. And really, they buy the data in such big bulk, you know, the bandwidth in such big bulk that when we, I mean, when you see the numbers I think they pay and the numbers we pay, <laughs> we're as a consumer way overcharged, right? I mean, yes. it's just, I mean, so I think you have to kind of think differently when you think about the data they're sharing. And, and but you're right. I mean, uh, an insurance company could say, hey, if you enable this and, you know, you enable this service where we can track your safe driving and it will take $50 off of your, you know, of your of your plan, all of a sudden that starts making sense. You know, well, you start going, hey, let's think about so. this, Jim. Let's, let's go way out there. Right. You want to talk about insurance for a second? Think about this. If what if you were going into a dealership and you were going to go buy a car? And I said, if you buy a car and you pay $2,000 more for the car because it will have an autonomous vehicle component that you can enable, not that it just drives everywhere by itself, but you can enable it. And by you, and when you use that, if you will share that information with, with your insurance company by just clicking here uh, and adding your insurance company, connecting that to your policy, you've elected to share that. When your car switches over into autonomous mode, your insurance rate goes down. And whenever you don't use it, your insurance rate goes up. And so, and guess what? When Jim drives it, because I know it's Jim, it's cheaper. And so, or I don't want anyone but Jim to drive it during these times. And when you're driving during these times, that's when you get better things. So, so all of these things start playing together and you start really thinking about it. Um, I, I think the impact you're going to see is there's going to be a major reduction in the cost of insurance um, and not necessarily in profits and insurance, but I think insurance in general will come down in cost because people will be encouraged to buy cars that are safer. So you'll pay more for the car to be able to get something that will return its investment. Just like if you think about, okay, I'll buy an electric car. If an electric car costs the same as a gas powered car, you could do the calculation to say, or maybe it was $2,000 more, let's just say. Then you'll start doing the math in your head on it will save me money. Maybe I pay this much more on my car note, but I pay this much less on my insurance. It starts playing together. So it's kind of one of those things um, that that you start playing to get you know playing around um yeah yes and i do not want autonomous organs uh, i don't want them <laughs> automatically moving around and it, uh, and no, yes and as far as like organs transplants are are, right. are going to become harder maybe so but i would we're working on technology for that too <laughs> you know as you mentioned getting in the car and it knowing who you are and uh, this kind of goes back. We had Loria on last week and we were talking about, I was talking about it. I really want better notifications. I, I really want smarter cars from a, I wanted to know who I am. I wanted to know where, like, you know, I wanted to know I'm going to work. Like, hey, this is Jim's work time. And, and I got a couple emails this week and I always appreciate those when you guys send those to me. And one of those, you know, what the suggestion was, well, use Waze and you can set some scheduling. But uh, Dwayne, I leave, at, I leave, literally, I leave for work at a different time every day. It's not the same. I'm, you know, and uh, my car doesn't know who I am. Uh, to be honest, Alexa doesn't know who I am. Oops, sorry if I just sent off your Alexa. It was funny. Last week she said, Alexa, put bacon on the shopping list. And a bunch of people got bacon put on their shopping list. And I probably did that right there. But um, when we think of Windows Hello and we think of the technology that comes with that, right, this has been running on a Surface now for a year or two. 
and it's pretty good. And so I jump in the car. I've got a cam that recognizes who I am and, and sets, sets the seats to my specifications, which would be awesome, right? Does everything the last, the, the last, we change cars here all the time in the Collison house. And so it would be great. My wife and I have different seat settings and it'd be great for that just to automatically kick in or it go back to the farthest position back as soon as she gets out, right? And then adjust to me when I get in. But to know who I am and then know, hey, chances are you're going to work and not for it to, I want it to talk to me. And I think this is where when we think of Cortana, I wanted to say, hey, Jim, you going to work? And I go, yeah. And I wanted to go, great. The best way to go to work is this way. That's what I'm, I don't want to push buttons or have and to you got to watch the videos. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I saw that. That's what tripped me up. I was watching the video before in the pre, but I do want that. I, do you think, I mean, in that scenario, do you think we're, we're getting closer to that kind of scenario from a Cortana actually being in a production vehicle? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because when you when you start looking at it, that's part of like this connected vehicle platform. So authentication and authorization is part of that, right? So when you start thinking about it, just this, think of it like this. If you have an app and you want to unlock your car, you got to authenticate to it so we need to know who you are, right? So you're just talking about, okay, now I need the car to be aware of who I am. And think of all the different mechanisms on a phone to know that it's Jim, right? And so, or, or Windows PC that knows the ability to say that's Jim and that's Dwayne. So look at Xbox. Can your Xbox do this? Okay, so when you start looking at that, um, you know, sensors and things coming together, you start going, okay, the reality is that we could probably produce a car that could know that that's Jim. Well, if I know that it's Jim and I am Jim's personal assistant, I know what's in Jim's calendar and I know, wait a minute, you've just had a service, you need to get service. So what I need to do is help Jim figure out when's the best time to get service for his car. And by the way, oh, wait a minute, I know what kind of car I am and I know where Jim goes and gets me serviced. So maybe I should check their schedule and find out when is Jim and their schedule available to suggest a time. Don't just say, hey, I need you need service. Would you like me to call the no, just make it go away, right? Just solve the problem. And and that's where you really start to think about the endless possibility of a car with an internet connection that's smart, has access to an AI in the cloud. And thinking and now you're talking about you you've heard about the you know how Cortana, you know, can do things for you and 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 the different skill you think of like Alexa skills and how you can extend those AIs and you're starting to see that and then you're starting to see bot frameworks and and how people can start building things in their own AIs and and you're really getting into the point where you start seeing why Satya Nadella says the next big thing is AI because the internet of things is an endpoint for AI and and Interestingly enough, you, it's like what you said with Alexa, right? Okay, so Ford showed an Alexa in, you know, Alexa inside of a Ford. But the, what I would tell you is the difference between that and the videos you'll see that we, we showed with Cortana is Cortana is aware of the car and the sensors of the car in our videos and what we're doing. On the Alexa thing, she can order you Amazon dots, okay? <laughs> she can... She can tell you the weather. She can definitely tell you a point of interest and put it in your navigation, but does she really know what cuisine you prefer? Or 
um, based upon your schedule and where the car physically is, where you what should she recommend? So when you start getting into AI development, you start getting into the experience is, is key and the knowledge of what's going on and the ability to computate that into something that makes sense for you and then recommend things to you becomes much more important than what smartphone you're in, mm -hmm. right? Because you have to become ambient. And I think that's where you're starting to see, if, if you look at Siri, how does Siri become ambient if you don't own everything that you own, including your car as Apple? How does uh, Google Now become ambient? How does Alexa become ambient? And I think that's where when you talk about AI, you've got to kind of start thinking about things. Yeah. Or how does Cortana in, in that scenario, and it's got to hand it off, you know, I got when I take my car out of the, or my phone out of the car, it's got to hand it off to my phone and say, all right, this is, I mean, these things have to come through um, and, and it has to know where I was and where I was going and then I've moved on to my phone. I'm moving away from my car. The car knows I'm done. I've parked, I've shut it off, right? There's just, I, Dwayne, there's a ton of stuff there and it's exciting to hear like, this is the first real, I mean, we've heard about Apple Car and some of the things they're doing. We haven't really seen anything, to be honest. And yeah. really everything I've seen is just apps, just a row of apps, right? Yeah. Um, I have, as an insider, as a Windows insider, I've been messing around with some of the newer builds of Cortana and really kind of trying to push Cortana to like, you know, and it, it's got a ways to go too, Dwayne, to be honest with you. I mean, there's still a lot of things, all three of them uh, do some things better than others and it's got a way to go. But I like when I hear you saying this and you guys have this platform actually coming in a car and there's some great, and I know we talked about Skype for business and a lot of people are like, oh, come on, seriously. Did you just build a way for me to make a phone call in a car? Well, but to be honest with you, Skype for Business is hard. If you can get Skype for Business working in a car, man, I think there's, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a lot of things you can do in a car, right? I mean, that integration with Skype for Business couldn't have been that easy. It, we'll say that it, it has its challenges, right? <laughs> and because think, I mean, think about the challenges of how do you solve authenticating in a car. I mean, it's just, there's so many things that you should, you, you have to think about it. It, it. Things that are, that you go, oh, that was just really simple. That's not really a, that big a deal. Those are the things that are actually the hardest to do. Um, the things that are easy to do are the things that sound really complex, right? And so when part of, so I'll, I'll tell you a little story, Jim. One of the challenges that we that I had, I was having this conversation with this car company, and we were talking about this, and and we were talking about making, um, and it was actually in one of the productions of these videos that you see, and and I would tell you when you go back, go back and look at these videos again, and think about it this way. Watch all the things that are happening and the simplicity of what is happening, and then I want you to think about how complex it must have been to figure that out, and what all must have been done and how many things had to be authenticated and logged into and data shared and and then computate that and realize that hey maybe this is important should i interrupt you for that should i not you know when you get into that world i think you start realizing that things that are easy so why was the iphone so innovative right in the day is it took something that felt very complicated and it made it easy and so that, that is the thing that is hard. So yes, I, we made an app that made it where it would make a phone call for you. Instead of you having to hunt down the phone call, punch in pin codes, get on the phone, have a conversation about who just joined and everything else. 
Instead, you push a button, it calls you, you answer the call. <laughs> okay. So I, I like that. I like that, by the way. I like that. So, but you see what I'm saying? And it's oh. weird because people are like this and you, and you, in the conversation, because they don't necessarily understand the complexity of behind the scenes that it takes to make something simple, yeah. which you think it should just be simple and it should just work. It's most of the time the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a guy at work who lives on the phone. I talk to I have staff all over the United States. I spend lots of time doing one-on-ones. I interview hundreds of people a year. Um, all those are Skype for business calls that I have to do. Um, we do podcasting on right here on Google Hangouts. We make these connections. Um, it's gotten infinitely better on all platforms when I think about the, the way we connect to each other, right? That hasn't got hard, but we still have these crazy, I cannot, Dwayne, I cannot believe in this decade, in 2017, still have folks when I want to do a video call and I want to do a video call every time. Like I had, I don't, I don't want, I don't want just audio. I want to see the person, right? I want to see you when we're doing this. You don't really how, want to see me. How? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not that impressive. I'm seeing now, brother. Um, the the um, I want I want to see the person, and and that gets gets hard. And then, man, you move that into the car and on a phone, it is just it's even worse. And so, you know, for a lot of and and I tell you what, I would buy a car that was that was conference call optimized. You know, if I could reuse some of that time in the car to have good conference calls, you know, my current car, it's a little too loud. The speaker system's not really set up that way. You need speakers in different positions. You want the microphone in a totally different spot. You know, why some freaking engineer puts the microphone way over on the other side of the car, you know, for the driver, there should be five microphones in that car, right? I mean, every, every, every high-tech conference room I go into now has got microphones dropped from the ceilings all over the place, not one place, right? You know, you're like, ah, make this better, you know, make this experience better. But think of that time you could recapture if that if that technology worked really well and the cars were designed for it, you know? Um, so so, so there, there's something in the, in uh, the, 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 what do you call this? The uh, chat room? Chat room that I would, uh, I would call out like, I just want to give you even a little bit more insight because I, I feel like people need to really think about like where we're at the cusp of, right? I just don't think people completely get it yet. And and, and and think of it from my end that I have to think like this in order for things to exist, right? For it to come to market. So like one here was like, if I could train Google to know that I'm an introvert and warn me before I anywhere in crazy crowds. Okay, so let's just think about this for a second, right? Have you seen anything from uh, that we've announced around cognitive services? I mean, we showed a bunch of stuff at Build. And one of the things we started showing is the ability for, through video or even through voice, to be able to determine mood detection, right? So let's say that you're uh, upset or you're angry or you or whatever. So when you think about it, and now I understand your mood, what if the car understood your mood and suggested music based upon your mood? Or based upon your driving style? Because I'm driving really aggressive, give me something that's got some, you know? And, and so, you know, it's, it's like you start thinking about it and it's like anticipation of needs and what is, and what is it that Jim likes? So, okay, you, you think about the Nest. That's a great example, right? It has nothing to do with Microsoft, absolutely nothing. Why do people like it? They like it because when they go in, they turn the knob it remembers what they like and it makes it to what they want. 
So when you start thinking of IoT and you start thinking of ambient AI, and why is there a Cortana SDK and not a Cortana a Microsoft Echo, right? It's because we gave a way to put Cortana into devices. So can she become ambient? And so when you start thinking like this, you start going, oh my God, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that's part of the part that I really like about what I'm getting to work on. Yeah. It, and, and again, none of this stuff, just so we're clear, as the Microsoft quote here, is that I'm kind of just kind of thinking about these things, right? And, and talking to you about it. I, I'm not saying these are coming to market. You're going to see this thing, right? I'm, I'm talking about what, when you start thinking outside of the, of, the, of the box, to use a term, right? And start thinking about what the cloud really starts to enable. And as AI becomes smarter and personal assistants become more powerful, it becomes less about the device they run on and it becomes more about their ability to learn. And the more data they can get and the more that you can get it ambient and you can interface with it in different ways, the better it becomes. I, I would encourage you, you think about the way that in those videos, you start seeing this conversation going back and forth and saying, hey, you know, well, you know, this is what's going on. It's not just, hey, traffic rerouting. It's, hey, I, th it, I know you like to drive on curvy roads. Here's a really cool road you might wanna go check out. It, that type of stuff, if your car starts making recommendations like that based upon what you like and what, what you do, um, you know, it's kind of a cool thing. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing more stuff like this happen and helping to kind of dream about that. And, and luckily in my job, I get to dream like that. And, yeah. and, it, and it's kind of cool. And, and, and by the way, in everything that we talk about and everything that, that, that we do, I will tell you privacy, what kind of data, how it's being done, making sure that a person's data is the person's data and nothing is done with it without their permission and that these things don't happen without their permission is the number one guiding principle of every company that I work with and have ever worked with. And so when we talk about these things becoming smart, it's to make your life better, but also to protect you in the, and only do things that you want it to be allowed to do. And I think that's one thing with Microsoft, I can't be happier to deal to say is that they, we have a strong passion about making sure that we do not do things with people's data unless they say it's okay and you get consent. And the people who build cars are exactly this way and being able to say, forget me, all of those type of things, these things are paramount when we deal with, with cloud. Um, you know, my dad is like a conspiracy theorist type of thing sometimes. And, you know, and I had to talk him off a ledge. I'm like, you know, well, if things are connected more to clouds where we can see intrusion and people trying to attack you, um, there are companies that are paid, to, that make money off of their ability to say, we, we care about this. It, a desktop or a, a server running in some company's data center that wants to run that server as cheap as humanly possible doesn't make the investments that are made in the cloud to be able to see that you are being protected. So the more these devices come out and they connect to the cloud, 
the more insight we get on how to protect and making sure that we protect data and everything else. So I, I would tell you that I actually see that this becomes more secure over time and less risky because I don't even want to know how many routers across the world may be penetrated. And you start thinking about things like that, it makes your head hurt. But when you start talking about these devices that are connected, part of it is making sure that they're healthy and they're not being attacked uh, and doing it and connecting them in a secure way so they can't be attacked without someone being aware and monitoring that. And I think that's one good thing that you're also seeing with the cloud coming up. So, Yeah. No, some good stuff, some great stuff. I, I've got a, I built a box, particularly right here. It's 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 just to the left of me. It's a Cortana box, and it has yeah. a mouse and a, it has a mouse and a keyboard. But my intention is to try to remove it, and I want to get to a spot, uh, hopefully at some point where I'm just using Cortana. You know, Dwayne, what I found is I've tried to use we and we've been talking a lot of AI a lot here on Home Gadget Geeks over the last couple of weeks, but. What I find is maybe it's because I'm old. We have to try. I have to train myself how to learn to deal with AI. In yeah. in right in in right or wrong, a lot of folks say, "No, nah, it needs to be easier. It needs to work," and it does. Right? We need to get better at that. But I am so used to just doing things. Like I've said to myself, I want to come down to my desk. My 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 Microsoft Band sits on my desk, charges every night right here on my desk. Yep. And my goal is to pick up my watch, put it on, and ask Cortana. Hey Cortana, what is the traffic like for, you know, for my trip to work right now? And I and I want it to just, you know, do its thing and say, hey, here's the best route, because you know, right now, because I can look at that screen, and go, oh, I have two. Basically, I have two different ways to work, right? And I just need to know, do I need A or B? What's the, you know, what's the right way to go based on traffic? And sometimes I can see as I'm coming down the road if the traffic's backed all the way up on this one road. I know it's B, you know, and I just make that, but I would, okay. So the point is though, most of the time I forget to ask Cortana. Like I get in the car and I'm like, oh, I forgot to, like I set up systems for myself, but I still have to get in the, kind of get in the habit or get in the routine. And so even that is a struggle sometimes to remember, hey, I could check for the availability of this table using Cortana or using, you know, uh, Alexa or what have you. You could get that done. For me, sometimes it's just reminding myself to do it. So know? here, here's the interesting thing. I think you'll see a transition here, right? Is that to your point, you could probably ask and get the answer, right? That seems to be the kind of thing. Right. What That's I think what you will today. see the transition uh, into what I refer to as inferences, um, where you're, let's say that you asked the first time, right? From then on, he said, would you, it seems like you leave every, every day around this time. Would you like me to remind you of this tomorrow and, and ongoing? And you could just say, yes, sure. Why not, Cortana? Thanks a lot. And then instead of you having to remember to ask, maybe she just gives it to you, yeah. right? And if she starts manifesting in a car, in a wireless speaker, on your PC, on your phone, um, on your refrigerator, on your TV. You know, so when you start thinking it becomes ambient and all these things are starting to become aware that Jim is here, this is Jim, um, then she goes, hey, Jim, you should take this way today. And you go, thanks. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. it become, that's exactly. where we, yeah. I think we're starting to see, because yeah. if you ask the question, it's there. Now the question is, how do we infer it? And you're already starting to see things that pop up in, on Cortana that say, hey, hey Jim, uh, commute wise, if you're going to work today, 
uh, here's the traffic. You might need to leave early. So, yeah. See, except Dwayne, here's the deal. Like, I got all my, I have all my notifications shut off on my phone because if I, if I leave that thing on, I just get inundated. And yeah, I could go in and limit the number of notifications I get, but that's a serious problem. I can't, I can't depend on my phone to tell me that stuff. But, but so, you know. the difference is that's an that's something that should manifest because think of it this way: if Cortana understands that she's in a car, and what you're trying to get is information about which route you should take, and she knows that you need that information, then when you got in your car is when you would the car would exactly. tell you exactly not your phone. Right. And so that's why when you start thinking about this and the difference and where we are and why the phone will become obsolete over time is because matter of fact, I, th I believe, and I've said this before, and, and maybe this is me just being an idiot. Um, I think if you, if, if you went like this, you said, okay, my kid, if I went and talked to them and said, I used to have to go get it. I went, if I wanted to check my email, I had to go to a desktop, dial into the internet and make it do all this, right? If you go back to the beginning of email, right? My kids would look at me and go, that's stupid. You just grab your phone and do it. I think my kids' kids will look at my kids and say, you used to carry around a big slab of battery in your pocket? That's stupid, right? <laughs> and so I think that's kind of where we're going is devices just become so smart that you don't really need to carry around something as much as the things around you will just adapt to you. And so, you know, you don't really need to talk on the phone. You don't need to hold a piece of slab to your head. You really just need a headset. Um, so, and, and if your personal assistant's talking in your headset, then that's, you know, that that's the voice yeah. command. So now, now come on, Dwayne, we know that it's going to be a little thing on our shirt right here. Cause Star Trek told us, it's gonna, uh, well, what did we're gonna the, tap it? We're going to uh, tap it. You better watch it. People might get mad. You might be considered a tracker versus, or I'm sorry. Did I say that correctly? I'm okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I that's don't know not either. a culture. I'm, I'm good on both. I go both ways. Yes, you, you enjoy. Well, I don't hear about that, but uh, I will say that uh, I do. I do see that uh, you you enjoy the Star Wars and you enjoy the Star Trek. I do. I do. You, you do not discriminate between your uh, your sci-fi. No, I am not sci-fi <laughs> discriminatory at all. No, so, I'll go both ways. <laughs> so I think I think as we to kind of you know think about the the finals around this is yeah. I think what we really are starting to see, and, and the point of this thing is not about Microsoft's building a connected vehicle platform for cars. We are. It's really cool. Um, cars are getting even cooler, and you know they may end up getting even more expensive. So you may not even want to buy one. Uh, you know, I thought about one one thing. I just thought about this. One of the things I started thinking about the other day, Jim, is if a car can be summoned. So just think about this. If you're, let's just even go to a personal car. How far do you think we are away from a vehicle being able to go park itself without you? Let's just say, it, in how acceptable, socially Tomorrow. acceptable would I mean, that be? It's easy. That you could do that today. Yeah, it's so, yeah. And, and I believe that would be socially acceptable. So it, let's just think totally. that that becomes completely possible for a car without someone in it to drive itself in a very slow manner to a place to park itself and also to be able to be summoned, and you have a personal assistant that knows when you probably need it, for the most most part, to stage the car for you, why do you need a garage? Yeah. Why does a house need a garage? 
why wouldn't you just centralize them into like a charging area or something and let them go off and do their thing and come when you need it? And why do I have to pay for a house with this big, huge room that's just a waste of space, waste of property? And what is the parking impacts of that to New York City? Oh, it's, it would be huge. So I, I, I'm just thinking huge. like, and yeah. think about if you go, why would a par why would a mall not pay to have it, even if this was like a closed circuit system that your car could do it if it had the, th the stuff, why would a mall not do that where they could make it where the parking is off and you just drop your, you just get out of your car underneath covered area during the rain, walk out. And when you start getting close back to where you need, where to pick up the car, your phone says, hey, would you like me to get your car? You go, sure, absolutely. Or maybe Cortana and an earpiece or whatever, right? You just say, hey, I'd like to have my car. Maybe on your watch. And your car just shows up. So what is yeah. the impact of valet? Right. So in the end, I think we, the point of the whole discussion is, you know, like I said, not thinking so much just about cars and, and all that. I mean, we've just talked about cars and what happens with cars and, and all. I think you start looking at what happens to devices and IoT and how big is this thing, right? It's actually a little bit bigger than I think people think it is. A lot of people think it is like an elevator that catches, that gives you maintenance information and how many times it went up and down in a day. I think we're at a point now that it's starting to mature to it's going to become commonplace and it's going to affect the consumer. And we're going to start seeing that. I mean, the Amazon Echo being popular is a is an IoT device that has a service attached to it that's extensible. It's a whole nother UI and platform and it's adopted, but it's not real smart right now. And, and I'm not saying that we our stuff is smarter than somebody else's. I, I think it's more, I think what we're starting to see is the power of IoT combined with cloud and it's gonna change the world as much as an, a smartphone changed the world. Mm -hmm. And maybe even more because you're, it's gonna almost make it where, I, I worry some days that we're gonna just become dumb and we don't, and just take, we just take things for granted when it just happens. Just like, oh, that's simple that it just called you on the phone. And I'm, I'm, it, I just think about like, how far down the road are we gonna simplify things down now that we've got unlimited compute power unlimited data storage and a device that has the ability to get that information and be able to help you. And, you know, it's like, hey, if you think about Rosie the robot and the Jetsons, right? I, I look at it like that and go, maybe that's not the manifestation of, the, of how it actually comes to market. Maybe it's actually these devices all work together to be your little personal assistant robot. And, and I just think as, through the conversation we have and through the thing we're having here, I think that's the interesting part of the conversation. And, yeah. and, and that's why, you know, coming on with you, I was thinking about how do I talk about this in a way that relate, is relatable? Hopefully it was. Um, I just, you know, it's something I'm really kind of fired up about and I see a lot of opportunity. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to be working in a place where these things, I can help bring them to market because I feel like, okay, our product groups make really cool stuff. I mean, they really do make some cool stuff, but it really lands on implement, implementers to be able to take uh, something that's vision and make it actually come to life. And that was one of the things that even though a lot of people, you know, the, the um, Skype for Business thing at Volvo maybe isn't the most innovative thing in the world or crazy thing, it was really 
weird to see something come from an idea in a conference room to running in a physical car that I could use while I'm driving down the road. And, and I will tell you, I had to drive the, that vehicle out to Redmond to show it to executives and being able to actually make it work. And it was doing it while you're, you're driving down the road. You're kind of like, oh my God. And, 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 and that vehicle, the autonomous thing was actually in it. It would only do it like to 45 miles an hour. But the, the cool part of it was I let that car drive itself through Portland, Oregon. So people who think that Tesla is the only people who have autonomous driving vehicles, I think you need to um, go look at the market and uh, see what all is out there because I think the reality of that is a lot closer than people think. Um, I think the bigger challenge is actually the maps, being able to help the car have the information it needs to understand what's an obstacle and what's a road um, is actually the bigger challenge. The sensors are all there. It, and so how long do you think it'll take to collect all that data when you can walk around and do street side views of stuff? So, you know, yeah. well, it's kind of cool if, stuff. What if we incented people to take pictures with their phones and, uh, and upload them to places so that we could get all those pictures stitched together? I mean, just think uh, about, just think about the power we have right here in, in incenting them in some way to, well, to get corners of places we don't have. And, you know, some of those kinds of things. Like, imagine if you got someplace and it's like your phone said, hey, we don't, we don't have any, we don't have any pictures of this. Could you take five minutes and just, you know, your phone to add to the, you know, the global map? That could be interesting. You know? Or, hey, I'll, for a discount on services, I'll let you enable the sensors on my car to collect that instead. There you go. You know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I don't know, you know, and, and things like that, I'm sure, you know, people think about and so forth. But, it, you know, part of the real cool part for me is that that's not what Microsoft's doing, right? What we're doing is building the capability to communicate with that car, to make that stuff happen, and then commoditize the stuff that everybody's doing to and build experiences that that at a quality level that you couldn't do without being able to do this. So, so I think that's, that's just one of those things that I'm, again, it's, it's really exciting, but it's mainly exciting to be involved in something that I have a lot of passion in. Um, and I think uh, as people are in this podcast are probably tired of me talking about the future, but um, I would say that, you know, think about these things and, and kind of think about what you, you know, how the impact of these things go, because the beauty of it is, with us building a platform that enables these things, people like our podcast listeners are all talking about, well, it'd be great if, wouldn't it be great if I could make my car do this or make it do that? Well, can you take, can you take an SDK and make an Alexa speaker do this or make it do that? If you want to, you could, mm -hmm. right? And so what I love about it is we're building the thing that lets people make things that do cool stuff. And it's not necessarily that we're building the cool stuff as much as we're enabling cool stuff to be done. And and I, I love that. Not that we're not building cool stuff too. It's that I like the fact that we also are enabling other people to be able to do cool stuff. Um, so it's not just limited to our creativity. It's actually everyone. Yeah. Well, Dwayne, we'll commit you to, as you get cool stuff to share with us, that uh, you'll ping me and uh, we'll have you back on. I, I think some good, you know, some good conversation. Ken ends it by saying, okay, guys, how about some realistic predictions? Uh, 
I will will reiterate, uh, Dwayne's not here talking or promising <laughs> some, some or all of the technologies that we talked about tonight. We know for sure, um, and, I, and I read somewhere, I heard somewhere, Volvo is going to try and like guarantee an accident-free car by 2020 or 2025 or something like that. In other words, they'll have enough technology that that car can't get into an accident type deal. And so did, yeah. you, did you come across yeah, they, that? Yeah, they, they've got a lot of things in the autonomous space um, and safety because, see, Volvo is all about safety. Right. And so it's kind of weird. If you think about Volvo, why would Volvo be kind of a thought leader in um, autonomous potentially? It, you think about, well, to be a safe car, you have to have a lot of sensors. So the more sensors you have, the the better you are, right? Uh, and then use those for, for the case. Um, so I'll put it to you this way, right? We've we've seen, you know, the announcements with Renault and Nissan, right? So think about it, enablement of the connected vehicle. They're, you know, bringing that to market. If they're talking about it now, it's got to be somewhat, you know, coming. Uh, so then you, yeah, if you don't have accidents, why well, you need auto insurance? Because people will key your car. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but well, when trees it, could fall on them. It doesn't keep, you know, those idiots from being right. on the road. Um, and, but I think if we're talking like, is it near future? Is it future future? The reality of where we are is that the technology will be here before the social acceptance. And you have to figure out what is going to be socially acceptable before things will happen. So will you have a connected vehicle? Will you have an autonomous vehicle? Um, I mean, there are autonomous vehicles. Right? I mean, they are. I, I mean, it's nothing new. Um, when will it become mainstream? Has more to do with when will people trust a car to drive itself more so than it will be when will the technology be here to allow it? And, and I think you need to think like that. And then the answer is, when would you, as an individual, pay for that? And when would it be a decision criteria for you? And if, if you thought, okay, the next vehicle that you bought, let's just think of it this way, Jim. The next car you bought if it had an autonomous mode and it drove itself and there was no manual mode, only autonomous, would you buy that car or would you buy the one that had the ability to turn on semi-autonomous so that you still had some control over it, you felt like you had control, and then eventually you feel like, okay, I can trust this thing, and then eventually socially in your brain, you're wired to think, okay, now I have enough trust in it because I haven't had to touch this thing and correct it hardly ever. I just wish the steering wheel would go away. You see what I'm saying? And so oh, when yeah. you you yeah, got to yeah. think about it in social acceptance because I really don't think this is a technology problem anymore. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And maybe a political problem and maybe a lobby problem, uh, especially here in the United States. So if lobbies wanting their, uh, somebody mentioned in the chat room, you know, there's some states where truck drivers, it's a very important job. And, well, you know, if we take those jobs away, they're going to have to replace them with something else. And so it's th there would certainly be a lobby that would have something to say about autonomous trucks being allowed on the road. You just have to. Well, it, hey, think about this. Uh, what do you think the impact 
of the whole diesel gate has on a car and how it sends emissions data. Just think about that for a minute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So go go read up in the laws in Europe that are being formed uh, right now, and uh, things like uh, you, and then think about things like blockchain, right? And what the impact of blockchain would be. Right. And, and so when you start looking at these, at what's coming uh, down the path because of things like cars with cheat emission devices, so that when you plug the car in, it cheats. Well, what if the car is always plugged in? How would it cheat? Right. You know, so, you know, and, and how nice would it be, Jim, if you're the consumer that you don't have to take your car to get the emissions done because the emissions are just done. Right. And so, it, things like this, I think, are the things that you start thinking about. And even if you're not in an autonomous car, I just gave you a perfect example of simplifying your life. It's one less thing, one less headache for you to have to deal with. And and as a consumer, how, how much do you have to have emissions checked in your state? No, no not Nebraska. No. So in, in like Tennessee, Nashville, it's I think $25. It's not the $25 that's the pain in my butt. It's the going to the facility, having someone connect it, disconnect the gas cap, all, all this bowl that takes all this time. And I have, I have three cars. I have to go do all of this every single time. So when you look at it from that perspective, how nice would it, would I give my auto manufacturer $25 just to take care of this for me every year? Yes, please. <laughs> how many times do you think they got to send a data packet across a, a wireless connection to be able to do that? Once right. a day? Once a once every five minutes is doesn't that really matter. a lot of data? Doesn't Who cares? Matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Twenty five dollars a year, you'd be amazed at how much data you can buy. Right. When it comes to here, yes, it, and and it's not that they even has to send anything except yep, emissions are good. <laughs> you know, so so my point is these things are good to go, um, and it just make, starts making our life simpler. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll wrap it. I've got a. I, we'll we'll have considered this extra time at the post show. We'll. Uh, I've got to get packed. Dwayne, thank you for coming yep. on. It's good to catch up with you as always. We'll we'll ping me when you got some more stuff to share. I think. Uh, I think you accomplished the mission of having more of a kind of a philosophical. You can read up on what Volvo is doing and the hardware and how that works, but. Um, I think we got a really good conversation in there and, and, and made me think through some things. You know, I continue to think um, I, I've, I've gone on this, this mission to try and consume AI in every way I can. And will it be really helpful to me? And, uh, and you know, part of that is a learning process on my end, too. So thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Hang tight here as we wrap this up. I'll remind everyone we've got a Patreon link available for you on the site if you want to financially support the show. Appreciate it when you guys do that and uh, you head out to theaverageguy.tv. Just look for the Patreon logo over on the right-hand side or it's somewhere on there, depending upon what browser you're using. Uh, hopefully, you don't get the you're using ancient technology to your browser. What, what, what did it say, Dwayne, when you when you tried to use Google? Oh, yeah. When you tried like, to join Google Hangouts from, from Edge, it was like you're using deprecated. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> it was something, something very... Uh, interesting oh, ancient not nice. or yes yeah it's yes, sort of, i can't even remember what it was take, but it was take, very funny yeah uh, open up edge in windows 10 and go to uh, try to open a hangout and it will uh, it will remind you well uh many of you have been sending me some notes and i appreciate it every time i get a note from me i appreciate it uh, uh you know um advice or something you know or again i've I got a couple emails this week around those things uh, any of those send me an email jim at the average guy.tv you can find me on twitter 
I've been, uh, we had a little pre-show talk about my uh, the Twitter account uh, with Dwayne. Dwayne's got, we won't say what Dwayne's got. Dwayne, I almost, I almost have 10,000, but I've been Jones in the system, right? I've been kind of working it just to, you know, yeah, following, yeah. unfollowing, following, unfollowing. But my goal is 10,000 and then I'm going to quit. I just want to see if I can actually get my Twitter account. So today, 9,800 and well, let's hold it. Let's just, let's just get a real number here. Uh, at 98. Four five, so I have a hundred and fifty-five to go, and then I'm gonna quit. So, but yeah. I want to see ten thousand. Well, the funny on the Twitter thing, um, you know, you you can catch me at Dwayne seventy six. How and it, I will tell you, I don't tweet a lot occasionally because I have to like tweet something to be able to get it on a screen at a bowling alley. <laughs> you know, I might send something personal, but I generally use Twitter to kind of give people information about kind of the stuff I'm working on and gadgets and stuff like that. So, so I try not to make that like a personal feed any more than I have to. And you'll find that I don't tweet a ton, but if you're interested in keeping up kind of what's going on in this space, um, I will make a conscious commitment to tweet more uh, about what can come out as far as information so well you're in a precarious spot and we'll just try to use the the podcast to keep folks up to date on what they're doing there and what you what you've got going on there you know be careful of course jim (laughs) of course i want them to come here Dwayne. we are live we're live eight uh every thursday 8 p.m central 9 eastern out here at the average guy.tv slash live i'm trying to think yeah usually this is the time i throw who's next in i actually have an open spot next week so i have to get that filled and then Two weeks from now, she's in the chat room. She's all about the story behind, and uh, Emily Emily Prokop's going to be on here. And we've got we've been working Emily. on a story together, Emily. Emily. We Emily and I have been working on a little bit of a story together. So we're going to bring you kind of an expanded story behind. So we're going to spend some time. We've been working on a story together, and uh, I think it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So two weeks from now, and then three weeks from now, John Zadler is back, and four weeks from now, Paul Brarin is back. So we've got some some pillars of home gadget geeks from years uh years gone by and uh, we we're excited to do that again come out thursday nights live 8 p.m central 9 eastern out here oh hey Dwayne, did the did the surface oh up? yeah ever fire up let's look at that wow look at that bad boy you, you can oh, and hold on i gotta video. make it watching as soon as i grab the pen watch what it does yeah let's let's just see what it does well oh, hold on let me make Dwayne full screen oh look at that whoa that's so bright. You probably won't be able to see it as he's writing on it. No, it's too bright, Dwayne. It's too bright, unfortunately. That it, uh, the pen is it's too bright. It's too bright, but it's, it's too yeah, bright. it gets really, really bright, and then uh, you couldn't tell, but it went to a whiteboard as soon as you pick up the pen. And I wrote "hello" on it. Yeah, so. about a fifteen thousand dollar whiteboard. Yeah, but it does more. It does a lot more. Matter of fact, whenever we were doing the demo of Skype for Business at one of our internal events, we had one, and I was call- we were actually joining the Skype call and doing Skype calls between the Surface Hub and the car. It was really kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. <laughs> and have you seen the Surface Studio? Have you gotten your gotten your hands on a studio? I had. Got, I went down and got to play with one. It's it's a pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. I, I think my my challenge with it is well. One, it's it is expensive, right? So I, you know, and I buy most of this stuff, you know, all this stuff I have to buy personally. So I would tell you, it's it's a, a really amazing device, and I like the knob thing. If I were a graphic artist, and I've got some friends like that, they'd be really cool to play with. Um, 
but I move too much. I, I mean, I, and but Jim, guess what I have? What? My Surface Book broke. <laughs> what? My Surface Book broke. You broke your Surface Book? Broke. Did you break it. the hinge? Nope. The base with the docking thing mm-hmm. started doing this over and over and over, and it was just killing me. So I took it back and I had the like extended warranty and your mileage may vary. I am not telling you to do this, but it broke. They had to replace it. And I made a joke. Why don't you just give me the, the performance based version instead? And he said, if you pay the difference, I said, well, what's the difference? And he said, let me look up what you paid for yours. And I came back and he goes, a (laughs) hundred dollars. It's like, Put it in the bag. Nice. And so I've been running on a uh, Surface Book uh, with performance base now for uh, about two weeks. And it's worth every bit of the extra 100 bucks. If you're buying one, spend the $100. <laughs> the battery life is insane. It is much, much stronger battery life. Uh, CPU, the graphics thing, I haven't played with it yet. But, but the battery life, and believe it or not, I like the keyboard better on it this way. It's a little bit more tilt, and it's yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, it, because they're recessed a little bit, it doesn't leave marks on the on the screen. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Well, they learned they learned some lessons. So yeah. All right, let me wrap it. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at the Average Guy TV Live. Join us next Thursday. We got a ton of great stuff coming up, and with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody. <laughs>